This is the Wellsprings Word. Hey everybody, we're back now. Part three, the final part of our conversation, is racism real? Um, now I'm aware that even just that title, you know, could be a, a, a triggering concept to some. Obviously, the question is not, does racism exist, right? Yes, racism exists. But in an actual conversation with a real person one-on-one, we wanted to explore, is racism real? Is it the reality for you day-to-day, the way we're getting told? Because I believe that there's an agenda in part of our country to keep us divided And we need to be having real conversations about whether or not the problems they announce that exist are as big as they say. And secondly, and probably more importantly, if the problem exists the way they say, what is the answer? And I'm persuaded that the answer to all hatred is in Christ. And so we're going to have the third and final part of this conversation with our friend Wallace Coles. I hope you'll check it out and keep listening, and I hope that it speaks to you, and we'll be back at the end. Take care. Well, and it's interesting, like you say, because the original, the original statement of the whole movement, the equal rights movement. Right. Right? So, again, life experience for you personally as you made your journey, as you went through school, as you went to college, as you did all these other things, did you feel like you had equal rights with the guy across the street who was white or the guy across the other street who was Latino or whatever? Did you feel that, like your rights I would were equal? S- I would say 95% of the time, yes. Yeah. Did I encounter some of it being in Virginia in the 60s and 70s? Yeah, on occasion. But I also ran into it from blacks okay. because I didn't think the way they did or I didn't or I was too educated. Oh, but, I see. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Oh, you're too smart. No, yeah. I'm going to go listen to you. Like, really? Really? Um, yeah. You know, at, at, uh, case in point, I was on a job site and black crew, we were talking and I gave them that bit of history. And uh, and they're like, where'd you hear that? I said, from a guy who was an Ashanti prince from Ghana, West Africa. I think he would know the history of Africa and slaves being sold better than we do. Sure. Because his family used to do it. Yeah. No, man, he's just trying to keep us separated. Don't listen to him. I'm like, okay, so it goes against your narrative. Yeah. It goes against what they nebulous say. So instead of listening to the facts and going, huh, maybe I need to rethink how I treat others because I was a conquered people by another tribe. So how am I treating others? I should treat well, them the same. Yeah. Just give me, like you said, equal rights, level playing field, equal. That doesn't mean I'm no better or you're worse, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating because I don't know if you have noticed this, but when I read or listen to Martin Luther King Jr., his speeches and his sermons, the people that try to quote him now do not even hold a candle to what he was actually saying. No. Like his his sermons and his speeches, to me, 
are some of the most powerful, concise, well thought out, and I'll use the word inspired words. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't put anything on par with the scripture. The scripture's the scripture. Right. But dude, if there's anybody ever been worth quoting, Martin Luther King Jr., to me, I, I can't, you know, would yeah. just be amazing to even just be around the guy for a little while. And then I see the caliber of person that quotes him now as if to say, like, well, I'm like him. And I look and I think, no, no, you're not anything like him. Right. You know, and so he, it's like his legacy, I think, gets a little bit co-opted. Well, but, be, but before we're done, we have to deal with the, with the faith piece, right? Right. And the faith piece is interesting to me because, um, and, and some of this I think you know, but a lot of people listening don't know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insert a little piece of my own story on this. Okay, so my father, by, by all the definitions, was a bigot. Okay, mm-hmm. he, was, he was a World War II veteran, volunteered, right? Didn't even wait to be drafted. The guy that turned old enough and volunteered before they could send him the card. And he had grown up in that whole thing. Now, oddly enough, and people that don't know any World War II history... If we start sharing stories, you know, they look at me like, what, you know, but my father actually had a much bigger problem with Asians than he did with, with blacks because he was like, you know, Hey, Japan bombed us at, at Pearl Harbor. Why are we buying their VCRs? You know, like he, he had that whole thing going, that generation of, of people where he was really. And so my father, I would say was not. Now that I know the difference of the terms, my father was not a white supremacist. He did not believe that he was better than anybody because he was white. But he would have definitely qualified as a white separatist in the idea of like, you know, you be you and that's fine, but I'm going to stay over here with my kind and you stay over there with your kind. Mm -hmm. And that was his whole that was just his whole persona, right? Right. Hardworking guy, miner, welder, all that stuff. But he had that baggage with him. I mean, I grew up in the house listening all the time. Now, the funny thing about that is um, when I watch these shows and they talk about how racism is taught, right? Like a, a, a bigoted father raises bigoted children. Well, the funny thing about it, you know, and I know, like I say, like right now, like Whoopi Goldberg would not believe me, but I'm going to I'm just going to go out on a limb. Honestly, it never caught. I was always puzzled by it. I never as a kid, I never understood it. I would watch him get frustrated and I didn't I just didn't get it for as much as he even tried to communicate it like this is a problem. This is a problem. And, and we're living in a town that was. 50% white and 50% Hispanic. In, in my high school, there were two black kids, two out of the whole high school. I could tell you their names right now, but I didn't get their permission, so I'm not going to. I got along well with both of them, and one of them actually became one of my best friends to my father's great like what <laughs> why you know kind of thing yeah but again never treated him badly i can honestly say i never saw my dad treat 
anybody, honestly, but I knew how he held it in his heart, you know, that, that there was all of these different things, right? And so coming from that, I found that when I came to faith in Christ, it was like God pulling back a curtain on the beauty of the variety of the creation. Yeah. And then rather than seeing everybody who had more pigment or less than me as a different kind of person, like you were saying to earlier, yeah. you, you kept trying to jump to the end. You didn't know. But, but <laughs> when you said earlier, we're just one race. Coming to faith in Christ for me was like God pulling back this curtain and going, look at this beautiful tapestry I made out of, out of everybody. Yeah. And everybody has beauty and everybody has value. And I mean, it was almost immediate. Like it wasn't because at, down at the little church I started going to when I came to Christ, they were teaching that. It was literally just my personal experience with the Holy Spirit was such that I started looking around and just being not at all like, wow, y'all are different. Right. Immediately, my heart was like, wow, this is cool. We're all in this together. And and I bring things and you bring things and we all bring things and, and isn't this cool? Like I just, it was almost immediate yeah. like that for me. And so you came to faith in Christ. My understanding, you were in college. Yes. Right? Okay. So did you find that for you, was salvation a, have a, a healing effect like that in your life too? Um, because I've picked, the reason I ask is because I have picked up on, as you make certain observations, that when you have seen racism or bigotry in the church, people listening to us can't see your face, but I'm looking at your face, and your face, you get this furrowed thing of like it made no sense to you. Right. When you would see it. And that's also been my experience. Like, I just don't get how do you be a follower of Christ and then have that in your heart? Like, for me, I don't understand it. And I don't even mean it from like a judgy place. I just literally mean I don't understand. Right. It's so foreign to me. Like, you're not my black friend. You're just my friend. Right. If somebody walked up to me and they said, well, hey, do you have any black friends? Honestly, they would catch me so off guard because I don't even quantify the relationships in my life by skin color. Right. I just don't. I would have to literally stop and like do a mental inventory and be like, well, I do have this one friend who's less white than the others. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I just don't, I just don't think like that. And I attribute that to Jesus. Okay. And well, what was, what was your experience coming to Jesus with regard to that? Okay. So I, I came to Jesus in college. Um, the and, and even before that, I mean, when before I was a Christian, I had a roommate, and and I was laughing because here I am, uh, not pigmently challenged, <laughs> um, and this guy's like six two, long blonde hair, white guy, and we're just hanging around, we're friends, and his friend comes up to visit from home, who's Vietnamese. Mm. So the three of us are cruising around, black guy, Vietnamese, and guy looks like he should be the quarterback on the football team, just cruising. And people are trying to figure out, um, what's the, <laughs> how, how, what's, they're friends. They're all different flavors. And I was like, hey, we got Neapolitan going on here, man. <laughs> you know, and so even before Jesus got a hold of me, 
it, because my, my mom raised us, people are people are people. Okay. You have good people, bad people. They come in all flavors. Don't let the flavors throw you off from who the person is. Mm. Because you can have a person who's not of your clan, your people, your language, whatever, who will back you up to the hilt. And somebody who's your same color and everything else will stab you in the back. Let's be honest. People are people are people. Get past the flavors. And so it it does bother me when I see it in the church. Because, you know, I'm reading the Bible. And it says, if you say you love God, but you can't love your brother who you can see. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say you love God. So when and, and in Virginia, you know, th- th- that thing was still going on. So and I've told people there were churches that are white church, black church, and they never get together. Someone's going to have to do a lot of explaining. Yeah, that's your brother. How couldn't you love him? Well, you know, the culture was. S- Jesus supersedes our culture. Supposed to. Right? He's supposed yeah. to. And And that's why I sit back and go, you know. The, the church as a whole, and then, you know, in America as a whole, missed an opportunity with Dr. Martin Luther King. They missed an opportunity to stand up and go, you know what? We need to be getting along regardless of what flavor we are. Yeah, yeah. We need to repent of our own racism, bigotry, hate, whatever, and get past ourselves and let Jesus be Jesus in each yeah. of us so we can get along and walk with one another. And and that's why I sit back and go, okay, you say you're a Christian and you love Jesus, but that doesn't work with what you're doing. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. work. Well, and, and, and let me ask you this, because it's, it's an observation that I've made over the years, just kind of like watching, you know, one of my first staff ministry jobs was at a church in the Panhandle of Florida in an area that was pretty pretty well known to be the good old boy, mostly white area, a lot of background with, you know, clan and just all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And the churches were very segregated on racial lines. Like, you know, you definitely had the whole, all the churches over here were the white churches and all the, you know. Yeah. And I arrived there. I took this job at this church. And, dude, I was like, I must have looked like Forrest Gump. Honestly, I couldn't figure it out. Like, I didn't understand it at all. I was so, it just made no sense to me. How can there be black Christians and white Christians? I thought we were all washed red with the blood of Christ. Like, I thought we were all supposed to be the same Mm -hmm. in all of this, right? And I'll never forget, (laughs) I'll never forget the pastor I was working for. So, like, we're this predominantly, when I say predominantly white, I mean, like, man, I, it, was, it was very pale, okay, very pale. One of the funniest things in the world is for a completely white church to try to sing black music. <laughs> like, that was, that was always, like, this thing that we went for on the weekends. And then, of course, I would get myself in trouble at the staff meeting and be like, okay, so, like, it, now, you know, like I said, everyone's always afraid of anybody being offended, but... My observation used to always be like, okay, so if their music is good, why are we not, you know, we can't do it together? Like, I I never, I was just always asking the wrong questions. You know, I was always in trouble with the whole situation because I just couldn't make sense of it. It just right. didn't, 
it just didn't make sense to me. And I would meet people and have the, you know, the question be after the fact, oh, I saw you talking to that black couple after church. What was their story? And I'm standing there. I, I'm, dude, I'm serious. I must have looked like Forrest Gump trying to explain to Lieutenant Dan about, because I would, I would think back on Sunday morning and be like, the black couple. Oh, you mean Leon and Andrea? Oh, cool. Okay. Like, I just couldn't, like, I just didn't get it. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't understand that even being the quantifying label that we put on people. Right. So when I finally, you know, my, I didn't do well. My first staff job, I, I, I was, didn't last very long. I was terrible at what I was hired to do. I got fired. Like, it was a whole thing. I didn't do well. But in the process of when the guy was trying to work it out, and this is where I was kind of going with that rambly story, was the pastor said and explained to me that racism can be so in, indelibly, he said, imprinted in the culture and he and like he he looks like he i still remember the little motion he made with his hands and he's like and you just can't expect that all of that just wipes wipes away in a in a moment like you know that that stuff's deep now you tell me what you think because as a young believer reading the bible it was making me think if jesus hasn't touched you that deep then you don't know him at all because he didn't he didn't fix the top 10% of my life bro jesus went through me like roto rooter man like i yeah. so when he said that to me like well you know but this it's i get what you're saying but it's so deep in the culture like you just can't expect that to just change i can't like, I mean, what do you think? I should, I feel like when I read the gospel, when I look about what Jesus says he does in our lives, I absolutely should be able to expect that he changes me yes. and my definitions that I brought with me, and he should be doing the same in you, right? I, yes. I mean, is that an unfair observation? Well, no, it's think? not an unfair observation because it's like I said, in Virginia, like the one guy who had been a Klan member, you know, calls me to his house, please come over. He says, I've been hanging on to this stuff. Help me destroy it. Mm. I'm like, wow. Now, one of the elders in the church, and, and I'll, 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 I'll give it definition because some people won't know who these people are. He was the founding president of the Pagans Motorcycle Club, Richmond, Virginia chapter. Wow. Founding president. When they were off the hook. I mean, they were just out there, dude. I mean, they were. Yeah. Um, now he's in his church. Uh, we had an associate pastor who was black, and he said proudly one day, Larry is my pastor. Yeah. All right. Cool. When my wife and I announced our engagement, he came to me the next day and apologized. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? He said, when you announced your engagement, something rose up in me, and it scared me. Because it was so mm. nasty. And he said, my mom was so bigoted. If she was in a bank line and a black person got in that line, she'd move. Wow. Okay. And I thought I was over it because he, like he said, this black man is my pastor. Yeah. He said, but it was so deep in there that it rose up. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. He didn't say, oh, it's just culture. 
he recognized it as something ugly and said, God, help me. Yeah. And God, he said, and God said, what I'm doing, you don't say anything about mm. and removed it immediately. And you made a point. He said, well, it's the culture. If we come to Jesus, he takes us out of the culture and puts us in him. Mm-hmm. So our identity becomes in Christ, not in the culture. We should be defining the culture, not letting the culture define us. Yeah. And, and that's where the body of Christ in the U.S. needs to, I hate to use this term, but it, it fits, step up. Step into the position where we're supposed to be, being an example of Christ in this world. Not religious stuff, just being who Christ is, showing Christ-likeness, the forgiveness, the love, the the truth. We don't embrace tolerance and throw away truth. We sit by and go, Jesus loves you, but he doesn't like your stuff. (laughs) Sure. So I, I'm going to love you, may not agree with you, and I'm going to help him. He's going to help me to love you because I don't. And yeah. that's the reality. And so we have to be not in the culture, not letting that culture define us. But when Jesus says, come here, you're mine now, and we say, yes, I surrender, I'm yours, then we become in Christ, not in the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I've i loved the conversation. I, I think it gives people so much to think about. I think that depending on where somebody's sitting, you know, off the title, is racism real? Like they were they were writing me a hateful email before they even listened to, you know, the podcast just based on that title. Yeah. And and I hope you, you see now where I'm coming from and asking it is, is racism real? As a political topic, yes. Is racism real as some kind of cultural football to kick around to beat people up with? Yes. But what I really wanted to know is, okay, great. They're saying all of that. 2023, again, as a black man in Mm -hmm. the whitest state, uh, right? I mean, we're laughing, but it's just true. Demographically, (laughs) (laughs) as a black man in the whitest state, with the most Republicans and the most MAGA Republicans, is racism real for you day to day? Is that your experience as you move around this state and work? And what I hear you saying is, no, no. that's not your experience. And I think more of that needs to be talked about and that the conversation needs to be had, not as like a shouting down, but just as an actual conversation, right? Because... I'm told, you know, by them that my observations don't count. But at one point in my life, I made I made my living driving a, an 18 wheeler all over the country. And yeah. I thought, well, this will be fascinating because I'm seeing every kind of culture totally blue collar. Right. Because it ain't white collar guys that work freight docks. No, that's all of us at the bottom end of the of the pay scale working freight docks. Every kind of culture, every kind of everything. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if if you go into the fruit markets and the downtown produce divisions in Los Angeles, almost everybody working in that warehouse is Hispanic. If you if you go hit the you know the seafood packaging place that's in Alabama, almost everybody working in there is black. Like they, I saw the whole country, dude. 
And the thing that I started to observe was, I don't see all this terrible stuff going on right. that I'm being told is happening everywhere. And I kept looking around because, again, I don't even see the world through the lenses. Like, I don't care. If you walk up to talk to me, I'm looking in your eyes, and in your eyes, you're another human being, and I don't care what color your skin right. is. We're just talking. But I started to observe, like, you know, it's not as bad out here as they all said, as they say. Like, I'm really, you know, because yeah. they talk it up. Like, you and I aren't even supposed to be friends. Well, see, the thing you is, know? it goes back to, it's terrible, and I'm the only one who can help you because yeah. it's so bad. You need me to help you. No, leave us alone. Yeah. Let us be human beings. Let us get along and work out how to get along and leave us alone because yeah. we really don't need somebody who's never known what it actually is to work a job and get along with others <laughs> and yeah. telling us what we should be thinking. How about you go get a real job and get off a of TV? Well, that would be nice for some of them, wouldn't it? So, nah, so, so let, let, let's, let's close this way. Let's say somebody's listened to this all the way to this point, and they are very upset, okay? This, your whole view of the world right. has just absolutely run cross-grain with them, right? They are just not, and I don't even care why or how, right? We know how divided the country is. Right. So we know that there's a there's a, a probably like let's do stereotypes. We know that there's probably a white guy who voted for Donald Trump that's mad that I said George Floyd got killed by the cops. Right? Right. That guy's out there listening. He's mad. Somewhere there's somebody of some minority angry that I'm even on this podcast because I'm not supposed to even talk about the whole topic. We know from what you said, there are people that are, you know, have got names for the fact that you are conservative, educated, and black. Like those things together, right, we know that. So as weird as all of that is, let's say somebody's made it this far listening to this, they're so agitated about this whole topic, but they're younger and they have bought into it. They're frustrated and they're angry and they know that the way their life is going is because of all of this bias against them because of the color of their skin. If you were going to talk directly to that young, young guy or young gal one-on-one, -on -one, what would you say to them? Wow. I would tell them, one, take a step back. Stop listening to all the people saying, it's because you're black. It's because you're black. It's because you're black. You're owed everything. You're owed. One, we're not owed anything. We come into the world naked. We'll go out naked. Nothing is promised us. All we ask is a level playing field. And a lot of times, I would tell them, Understand that when you go in, your attitude will set the atmosphere. Mm. If I come in, I'm already mad. I'm already ticked off. I'm already looking for bigotry. Wow. I can find anything I look for 
even if it's not really there. Mm, That's powerful. And I would tell them, take a step back. Don't worry about being black. Don't even, yeah, you're black. Okay, fine. But who are you? Not what are you? So you're a black man, fine. But who are you? What's your name? What does that name mean? What does that name convey? Are you decent? Are you decent to human, not other humans? Are you being a real human? Don't get caught up in a label. Find out who you are. Because the big they want to label you. If I can stick a label on you, I've got you defined. Whereas, as people we learn, we change, hopefully we get better. I would tell that person, take a step back. And I'd say start forgiving because you're already picking up offenses that aren't even there. Wow. You know, and, and years ago, you know, especially if they're a Christian, if they are a Christian, the Lord's Prayer, we like to read it. But reading further, you know, it says, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Later in there, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. And if there's no forgiveness for us, then there's only one place we're going to end up. And it ain't going to be at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So I would tell them, take a step back. Don't let the they define you. Don't let the they tell you what to think. Take a step back. Find out who you are. I don't mean, you know, I'm going to go find myself. But, you know, take a step back and go, you know, I need to start looking at people as people and not label them. Just let them be who they are. Yeah, yeah. And that's a process. Well, and and I love what you're saying about who you are versus what you are. Yeah. Um, I had an amazing conversation with a, a young lady a few months back, um, ran across her in my chaplaincy work that I was doing. We were talking about her future, and she said, um, well, hey, what other options do I have? I'm just white trash. Oof. Right? And I thought, how sad that you would think about yourself from that. Right now, in the moment, I wasn't sitting around with you, so I didn't have the I didn't have that smooth articulation you just had. That I'm serious. That is beautiful. Who are you versus what are you? It took me a couple more minutes to get to it, talking to her because that I love that. That is so great. But the sentiment was there, and I was trying to say, okay, wait a minute. So yeah, there might be a whole narrative out there that because your family is broke and because of where you're living in this town and which side of the tracks you're on and how your mom was, blah, 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 that they look and they say, you are white trash. But the whole conversation became about that. Okay, but who are you? Never mind what they would say about your category. Who are you? And it was beautiful because a few minutes later, she's sitting there just sobbing because we're establishing, you know, changing her name for purposes of something that's on the Internet. We're establishing, you know, who you are is Jennifer Smith. And who you are, she was a brilliant artist, bro. She was showing me uh, where she would draw in her in her little notebook that she had mm-hmm. amazing i mean amazing talent 
and and who she was and and I started trying just helping her like okay so somebody could tell you that you were white trash okay they can say that if they want but you get to decide who you are and you've got to you've got to find that because who you are is a blessing to everybody around you not what they say about what you are so I love that I appreciate you sharing that that is really powerful yes sir. um so well dude this has been fun man you know, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what kind of crazy feedback we might get <laughs> here and there from from whoever. Um, yeah. But uh, but hopefully, if if you're listening to this, the conversation is meant to just spur the thought, the beauty of of the kingdom of God and what Jesus has done and what God has created, and to appreciate what we see in other people rather than to try to label it and figure out how different it is from us. But to look and say, man, that's that's amazing who you are. And I think that if we could learn to talk to each other from that perspective, who you are versus what you are, um, that changes everything. So is is racism real? I'm sure it is someplace. But does it have to be? No, it doesn't have to be anywhere. Um, and I also appreciate you bringing back, bringing back the term bigot. I think something something really positive would come out of us just getting back to that. Yeah. You know, you're just a bigot. And, you know, even when you say the word now, there's probably, you know, like I say, our younger crew, they're probably Googling like, what? What does that even mean? Look it up. It'll help you out. So, well, God bless everybody. I hope you got something out of this and uh, stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed to the Wellsprings Word, make sure you do that so you don't miss anything that comes out. Keep living for Jesus and keep showing the goodness of God to everybody that you meet, and we'll be back soon. Take care.